So when you hear that cry in the sky... The Columbia Broadcasting System presents a new comedy. My Friend Irma. Starring Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane with John Brown as Al. Here is Connie Brooks discussing her heartthrob, Bill of Boynton. Although one day in the life of a schoolteacher is pretty much the same as the next, at night you wish you were dead. <laughs> Not that I'm bored. How could I be with Mr. Philip Boynton teaching biology at Madison? Of course, every new frog he gets in his laboratory represents an arch-rival. But I shouldn't complain. It gives me an added interest in life. Each morning before I get out of bed, I look down to see if I'm getting webbed feet. (laughs) Somehow, ever since we've been on the faculty together, Mr. Boynton just doesn't seem to think of me as a woman. I can't quite understand that, because when I think of Mr. Boynton, I always think of me as a woman. I almost always think of Mr. Boynton. Hey, everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of Our Miss Brooks. This Our Miss Brooks is from November 21st, 1948, and the episode is entitled The Model School Teacher. So enjoy this episode, and up next is my friend Irma. Palm Olive Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous dream girl hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Our Miss Brooks teaches English at Madison High School. And although one day in the life of a school teacher is pretty much the same as the next, at night you... Well, perhaps we'd better let Connie Brooks speak for herself. Although one day in the life of a school teacher is pretty much the same as the next, at night... You wish you were dead. (laughs) Not that I'm bored. How could I be with Mr. Philip Boynton teaching biology at Madison? Of course, every new frog he gets in his laboratory represents an arch-rival. But I shouldn't complain. It gives me an added interest in life. Each morning before I get out of bed, I look down to see if I'm getting webbed feet. (laughs) Somehow, ever since we've been on the faculty together, Mr. Boynton just doesn't seem to think of me as a woman. I can't quite understand that, because when I think of Mr. Boynton, I always think of me as a woman. (laughs) And I almost always think of Mr. Boynton, or dream about him, like the other morning around (sighs) 7.25. Of course, Philip, I'd love to go dancing with you. When will you come for me? That's quick work. Oh, it's Mrs. Davis. Come in, Mrs. Davis. I thought I'd wait you before your alarm clock went off. It's so loud and nerve-wracking. Oh, I'm pretty used to it by now, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> I always like to clear my throat before I pour orange juice into it. Well, I guess I'd better get up and perform my morning ablutions, like they say. You can ablute later, Connie. You stay right where you are. Oh, but Mrs. Davis, it's 7.30. No, no, it isn't. I set the clock a half hour ahead. 
But why? Snap. Snap? That's right. They want pictures of you from the minute you first wake up till you go to sleep. Who does? Snap. You're faded. Uh, <laughs> what is all this about, Mrs. Davis? Snap is a magazine, Connie. Some time ago, I read that they were looking for the ideal American teacher for an interview. The next thing I knew, the layout editor was here in town and had called me up for an appointment with you. Me? But why me? I guess somebody recommended you as the model teacher. Somebody like who? Somebody like me. I wrote them all about you. What a wonderful teacher you are and how all your pupils love you. Oh, you shouldn't have done that, Mrs. Davis. I didn't. What? I discovered the letter in my desk this morning. I'd forgotten to mail it. <laughs> so it must have been somebody else who... Oh, here they are, Connie. They've been waiting in the living room. Oh, but Mrs. Davis, I'm not dressed. Come on in, folks. Snap, snap, the school teacher. Uh, where is the little lady? Ah, uh, here she is. Well, and not such a little lady after all. Tootsies reach all the way over the end of the bed. <laughs> Those are my stockings hanging over the rail. Uh, my name is Peterson. Uh, Pete to my friends. And uh, this is Miss Forrest. How do you do? If you'll just wait in the living room for a few minutes, I'll get myself a Well, frankly, Miss Brooks, we'd rather start in here. You see, I'm the layout editor. That's nice. But before you lay me out, I... <laughs> I'd like to comb my hair and wash my face. I wish you wouldn't. Just put your head back on the pillow for a minute, will you? Oh, but I... You pose the way the folks want you to, Connie. I'm going to make some breakfast for all of us. Well, that'll be our second shot. Snap, snap, the school teacher snapping up a breakfast. Good, huh? <laughs> Very snappy. Now, as I was saying, my dear, we don't want you to do a thing for this picture. Realism is what our readers want. The eyelids practically stuck together. Little straggly clumps of hair flopping over the ears. And those little tired lines around the mouth that looks like it just tasted a raw lamb chop. <laughs> we want you just the way you are. Thank you. <laughs> Have you picked your pallbearers yet? <laughs> That snarling look when the teacher first gets up in the morning. Got it. Now listen, you Please. two. We're going to be together all day. It'll be much more pleasant for all of us if you cooperate. Well, it isn't that I don't want to cooperate. It's just that I don't like to have my picture taken without a little makeup. Even if it's only an inch or two like you've got on. <laughs> aren't you? I use very little makeup. A dab here and a dab there. Here a dab, there a dab, everywhere a dab, dab. <laughs> no, Miss Forrest, I'm not sure I really want this spread. I know, dear, but when a woman reaches a certain age, some spread is inevitable. Oh! Looking <laughs> in the magazine. Oh, yes. Well, let's talk about it after breakfast. I'm starved. Good. Will you join us at the table, or do you want your saucer of milk on the back fence? <laughs> enjoyed my pancakes. You know, the batter is my own invention. Oh, really? Uh, what's in it? If she tells you, you'll never eat them again. <laughs> Instead of eggs, I use hot peanut oil. 
Then today, Cousin Mary amount of flour and milk. I had half a cup of baking powder mixed with cornmeal, two cups of yammy yogurt. And while the whole thing is being whipped in the mixmaster, I gradually add a teaspoonful of cider vinegar and just a smidgen of goose liver. <laughs> She's got a recipe for stuffed cabbage that would send you screaming into the hills. <laughs> oh, now, Connie, it isn't that good. Hmm. Well, I'll help you clear the table, Mrs. Davis. Oh, get a shot of this, Pete. Yeah. School teacher helps out with chores at home before going to classroom. Up uh, here, take a stack of dishes, Miss Brooks. All right. I don't mind your taking my picture so much now that I'm dressed. Well, I don't blame you, my dear. That's a very nice suit. Uh, shark skin, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's such durable material. One can tell at a glance that it's worn you for years. <laughs> You're very observant. It would be a shame to see those great big eyes of yours closed for a while. <laughs> I think maybe you'd better get somebody else for these pictures. But, Connie, think of the prestige it will give you at school. It will? Of course. Everybody making a fuss over you. Why, I bet it would make even Mr. Boynton sit up and beg. Mr. Boynton? Uh, the school mascot. He's a schnauzer. <laughs> Don't try to pet him because he snaps. Oh, never mind. Don't worry about it. I've changed my mind. You can take all the pictures you want. Oh, that must be Walter Denton. He said he picked me up this morning. Oh, that's right. Your car is in the repair shop again, isn't it, Connie? Oh, you own a car, Miss Brooks? Yes, I do. Well, what kind of a car? Well, I had a brand-new 49 Hudson, but I didn't want to show off, so I traded it for a 32 Stutz. <laughs> Coming, Walter! Oh, Walter, eh? Must be nice to have a man call for you in the morning. Who is he? The well-known absent-minded professor? No, dear. This one's more your type. Oh? Sixteen years old, and he can't run very fast. <laughs> You think Walter will mind if we ride down to school with you, Miss Brooks? Oh, I guess it'll be all right. Come along. Goodbye, Mr. Davis. Goodbye, Miss Forrest. Uh, thanks for breakfast. We'll <laughs> get after school, Mrs. Davis. I'll help you sterilize the mixmaster. Well, good morning, Walter. Boy, somebody looks yummy this morning. Why, Walter, do you really think so? I sure do, Miss Brooks. Where did you meet her? <laughs> oh, you mean Miss Forrest. Miss Forrest, Mr. Peterson, meet Walter Denton. There was Snap Magazine, Walter. Uh, glad to know you, Walter. Hi. Well, I'm certainly glad to make your acquaintance, Mr. Denton. Uh, what subject do you teach at Madison High? Teach? Oh, I'm not a teacher. Although I do coach some of the younger students in subjects that just naturally come easy to me. <laughs> like uh, lunch period and study hall. <laughs> well, it was a natural mistake. You seem so... Gallant, so worldly, Mr. Denton. Ah, uh, just call me Walter. <laughs> All right, Walter. Then you must call me Stephanie. I must? Gosh, do you really think I'm worldly, Stephanie? I certainly do. I knew this morning was going to be different, even though it started out like all the other crummy mornings in my life. <laughs> On my way over here, I just felt that something romantic was going to happen. And sure enough, here you are. Why, Walter, what a lovely speech. It's not a speech. It's merely what I feel, Stephanie. <laughs> Shall we go to school now, Walter, or just stay here in the casbah? <laughs> 
Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment. But first, here is Vern Smith with an important announcement. Ladies, what's your complexion problem? My skin's so dingy. Mine's oily. My skin's dull, coarse-looking. For a lovelier complexion, you must stop improper cleansing. Instead, use palm olive soap the way doctors advise. Leading skin specialists have now proved the palm olive plan, using nothing but palm olive soap, can bring fresher, brighter complexions. Yes, regardless of age, type of skin, or previous beauty care. Now, here's what these doctors advise. Wash your face with palm olive soap. Massaging for one minute with palm olive soft, lovely lather. This cleansing massage brings your skin palm olive soap's full beautifying effect. Rinse. Do this three times a day for 14 days. It's that simple. But remember, 36 doctors, leading skin specialists, advise this way for 1,285 women with all types of skin. Dry, oily, normal, young, older. And prove this plan using palm olive alone, nothing else, really works for two out of three. So for a lovelier complexion, forget all other beauty care. Instead, do as these doctors advise. Use palm olive for a fresher, brighter complexion. For loveliness all over, use big, thrifty bath-size palm olive in your tub or shower. You know, folks, when I read that Snap Magazine was looking for a model teacher, I was going to write in and suggest Miss Brooks, but then the midterm exams came along and I got kind of busy and I... Uh... But honest, I was going to, Miss Brooks. Thanks anyway, Walter, I think. Is her picture going to appear on the cover when the story comes out? I imagine so, Walter. Gee, that's great. It'll sure be a relief from those pictures of glamorous young girls in bathing suits with legs. <laughs> it may come as a shock to you, Walter, but I've got legs myself. You have? Yeah. Of course, they may not be as pretty as Marlena Dietrich's, but then I'm not a grandmother either. <laughs> You're not? Rancid one. <laughs> Maybe we'd better change the subject. Uh, Miss Forrest, Stephanie, after you get through taking pictures of Miss Brooks at school, you ought to get some of the faculty student malt hop this afternoon. Malt hop? Well, the faculty call it a tea dance, but we call it a malt hop because it's held in Weber's malt shop. Oh, sounds fascinating. Yeah, they serve a wonderful malt there. Their slogan is, our malts are too thick to sip through a straw. You have to eat it with a spoon. Some of them are even too thick to eat with a spoon. <laughs> Some of them are even too thick to dance in. We've got a swell jukebox and a cute little dance floor. Uh, before we get to school, Stephanie, I'd like to ask you, would you, could you... She would and she could and she'll be there ten minutes ahead of you. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks, you sound a little put out. You weren't by any chance expecting Walter to ask you to the hop. Me? Oh, heck no. I go with a girl. <laughs> Why, Walter, I'm surprised at you What do you think Miss Brooks is? A blackboard eraser with teeth <laughs> Gee, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, Miss Brooks Oh, no, you didn't, Walter, I'm used to it I was just wondering about Harriet Conklin Did you have a date with her for this afternoon? Oh, sure, but there was nothing definite about it I merely asked her if she wanted to go to the hop And she said yes Oh. <laughs> I didn't know it was that tentative. <laughs> I guess you're going to the dance with Mr. Boynton, huh, Miss Brooks? Oh, did they let schnauzers in? Schnauzers? <laughs> oh, it was just a joke, Walter. I referred to Mr. Boynton as our mascot. He's really the biology teacher at Madison, Miss Forrest. And what a teacher. Boy, is he good-looking. 
Oh, really, Walter? Yeah, he's tall, dark, handsome, stoop-shouldered, knock-kneed, cross-eyed. <laughs> uh, hey, isn't this the school? Oh, yeah, I almost passed it. Yes, I was looking at somebody on my right. Well, if you'll just turn your head, Walter, you'll see Harriet approaching on your left. Good morning, Walter, Miss Brooks. Oh, I didn't know you had passengers. Well, this is Miss Forrest and Mr. Peterson, Harriet. They're here from Snap Magazine. How do you do? Hi. If you'll excuse me, I'd uh, like to get some atmosphere shots of the campus. Oh, yes, do that, please. Snap has picked Miss Brooks as a model American teacher. Oh, that's wonderful, Miss Brooks. And what a coincidence. Coincidence, Harriet? Yes. When I read about it, I sat right down and wrote them a letter recommending you. Well, thank you, Harriet. But of all the silly things to do, I forgot to put a stamp on it. It just came back the other day. That's just like a child of your age, Harriet. What do you mean, child, Walter? You see, Stephanie, this is the infant I allow to toddle at my heels when I'm not involved with some more glamorous creature like yourself. Walter Denton, what's gotten into you? On this crummy morning, Walter's become a man of the world. <laughs> well, I'd better find a place to park. All those that want to better get out here, Miss Brooks. <laughs> you little hinter, you. Well, I'll go with you, Walter, and then walk you back to school. I was hoping you would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the way that woman looks at Walter. I don't like the way that woman looks, period. <laughs> she certainly is chic, in a cobra-like sort of way. Has she seen Mr. Boynton yet? Bite your tongue, girl. Well, I think you ought to get permission from Daddy before you go through with this interview. After all, he is Madison's principal. Harriet, you've given me an idea. I must admit I kind of liked all the attention, because I thought it would make Mr. Boynton sit up and take notice. But I never stopped to think that he might sit up and notice the wrong thing. Well, maybe Daddy won't consent to the interview. Then she'll have to clear right out. Harriet, you are wise beyond your years. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to beg for your father's unpermission. Come in. Could I talk to you for a moment, Mr. Conklin? I'm all ears, Miss Brooks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Conklin, Snap Magazine wants to do a layout on me as a model teacher for 1948. You, Miss Brooks? Isn't it ridiculous? They sent a Miss Forrest and a Mr. Peterson to take pictures of me and the unpainted school and the overcrowded classrooms and the strained looks on the faces of the pupils. I can't allow that, Miss Brooks. Of course you can. I mean, you can't? <laughs> Certainly not. It's beneath the dignity of Madison High. Way beneath, Mr. Conklin. I've always looked upon Madison High and its teachers as my family. And it's the first rule of a family that its problems be kept to itself. Strictly to itself. We should not hang out our wash for every Tom, Dick, and Harry to see. Tom, Dick, and Harry should not see our wash, no. <laughs> it won't do you any good to argue, Miss Brooks. I've made up my mind. Publicity is nothing but a cheap parasitic device designed to prey on the unfettered appetites of the unsuspecting. Publicity oh, is... Excuse me. The so... door was open, so... Oh, you must be Mr. Conklin. I've been looking forward to meeting you, Mr. Conklin. I'm Stephanie Forrest of Snap Magazine. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, well, won't you sit down, Miss Forrest? I'll be with you in a moment. As I was saying, Miss Brooks, publicity is the foremost blessing of our century. It makes the unknown known. 
It brings information and joy into the home of everyone. I can just see Tom, Dick, and Harry peeking at my wash. <laughs> Miss Forrest, I was just explaining to Miss Brooks what this wonderful exploitation will mean to Madison High and its problem. Oh, I'm so glad you see it that way, Mr. Conklin. You and I will have to work together on this. I'll need your advice on so many things. Of course, Miss Forrest. Oh. <laughs> well, let's not be so formal. You can call me Stephanie. And you can call me Osgood. <laughs> you can call me a doctor. I'm ill. <laughs> well, then it's all settled. I'll get a hold of Pete and we'll start shooting Miss Brooks at once. Fine. I'll bring my own blindfold. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know you were busy, sir. Well, I am, Boynton. You'd better come back later. So you're Mr. Boynton. Well, no wonder I've heard so much about Madison's biology department. Well, thank you, Miss, uh, Miss, uh... Don't look at me. I never saw her before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Brooks has such a quaint sense of humor. My name is Stephanie Forrest, but you can call her Miss Forrest. If you want to live to see your frogs again. Well, what's that, Miss Brooks? Never mind, Miss Brooks, now, Boynton. What do you mean, now? Miss Brooks, will you stop mumbling? Boynton, Miss Forrest here is going to do a story on Miss Brooks for Snap magazine. Oh, really? Then they must have picked you as the model teacher. Well, that, that's wonderful, Miss Brooks. You know, I was going to write in and suggest your name myself, but well, then I got all wrapped up in my pigmentation experiments and neglected to do so. Well, it's nice to know that you thought of me. <laughs> well, now that you're here, Boynton, what is it you wanted to talk to me about? Well, sir, uh, it's something I need for my guinea pigs, but uh, I'd rather talk to you when when you're alone. Oh, come now, Mr. Boynton. You mustn't keep anything back from a reporter. What is it you need for the creatures, Boynton? I'd rather not say in mixed company, sir. Oh, come now. We're over 21. Some of us are way over. <laughs> Oh, come on, Boynton, out with it. What do you need for those guinea pigs? Well, if you insist, uh, hormones. <laughs> well, that's peculiar behavior. You ran right out of the room. Well, uh, I guess I'd better be running along, too, Mr. Conklin. Just a minute, Miss Forrest. Shouldn't we give the quarry a few minutes head start? Right you are. Now. Now. Quiet. Quiet, boys and girls. As some of you know, I have been chosen by Snap Magazine as the model American school teacher of 1948. Thank you. Thank you, boys and girls. And now I'd like you to meet Miss Forrest, Snap's layout editor. Quiet, boys. Thank you, class. Now, before we take any pictures, Miss Brooks, would you please ask those boys standing in the back of the room to sit down? They are sitting down, Miss Forrest. They're sitting on the top of the desk. But why? Well, with the room as crowded as it is, I use them as lifeguards. Lifeguards? Yes, they keep the smaller children from being shoved into the inkwell. <laughs> That magazine sits in while Miss Constance Brooks acts as faculty advisor to a student club. The meeting of the 
Socrates Philosophy Club will now come to order. Thank you, Walter. Miss Brooks, I must ask you to stop combing your hair and fixing your makeup between classes. You're making yourself look like a human being, and this layout is supposed to feature a school teacher. Well, I'm sorry, Miss Forrest. It's just that so many school teachers I've met bear such a marked resemblance to human beings. <laughs> well, we'll just stick a few pencils in your hair and throw a little chalk dust on your suit. There, that's better. Now, just continue as if I weren't here. That'll be a pleasure. <laughs> now, let's get on with the meeting, Walter. Yes, ma'am. Our subject is, should a high school graduate turn to teaching as a career? But what I mean, Miss Brooks, is, in the face of our inflated economy, what security is there in the teaching profession? Well, Walter, the way I figure it is this. When I first started to teach school, a dollar was worth a dollar. Last year, a dollar was worth 60 cents, and this year, it's worth 40 cents. So if I were earning more, I'd be getting poorer all the time. Thus, by being a schoolteacher, I'm actually saving for a rainy day. <laughs> Snap joins Miss Brooks for lunch in the school cafeteria. Thanks so much for getting my lunch, Mr. Boynton. You're very welcome, Miss Brooks. Here's your change. Let's ah, see. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Swiss on rye. You're the stuffed tomato. And, uh, what am I? Now, there's an opening you could drive a truck through. <laughs> uh, Miss Forrest, is Pete going to take any pictures while I'm eating? In a few minutes. He's getting a bite himself right now. Oh, good. Then you'll have time to smear some mayonnaise on my nose. <laughs> Frankly, darling, I'm not terribly interested in you at the moment. Mr. Boynton, when we chased you into your laboratory before, you wouldn't tell us whom you were taking to the malt hop this afternoon. Well, I really don't know if I should leave my work, you see. Oh, there you are, Stephanie. I've been looking all over for you. You're going to the hop with me, aren't you? Well, I can't tell yet, Walter. Good I... afternoon, folks. Uh, Miss Forrest, as principal of Madison High, I feel that it is my very pleasant duty to invite you to the faculty-student dance this afternoon. Well, really, Mr. Conklin, I don't know if I'll be finished with my work. Work. That is, could I give you my answer after I've eaten? I haven't had a bit of lunch. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Forrest. I'll go get you a tray. I'll get you a knife and fork. If you just take my arm, Miss Forrest, I'll personally escort you to the scene table. <laughs> oh, no, it is. Hi, Miss Brooks. Shall we have lunch together? No, thanks, Harriet. I'm quite full. I've just eaten my heart out. <laughs> I saw what happened just now. Well, it's my own fault, Harriet. My sins have come to roost. Well, what do you mean, Miss Brooks? I knew it. I just knew it. Knew what? I knew I shouldn't have sent that wire to Snap Magazine recommending me as the model teacher. E. Martin, as our Miss Brooks returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Only luster cream brings you K. Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. Glamorizes your hair as you wash it. Luster cream, not a soap, not a liquid, but a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, 
manageable. Gives new beauty to all hairdos or permanents. Four-ounce jar, one dollar. Smaller sizes, either tubes or jars. Tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to a Luster Cream Shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, things didn't work out quite as badly as I expected they would. Right before the dance, one of Mr. Boynton's guinea pigs had a blessed event. Triplets, in fact. And Mr. Boynton couldn't find a sitter for them anywhere. So he didn't even attend the hop. Walter Denton was kept in after school by his history teacher, and after a couple of dances with Mr. Conklin, Stephanie Forrest packed up her equipment, packed up Pete, and packed us in. Not long after that, I was sitting in the cafeteria one day when Walter rushed over all excited. Miss Brooks, it's out. Snap Magazine with a four-page spread of you as America's model teacher. Let's see that, Walter. Here, I've got it open to the story. Oh, I'll read the story later. How about the cover? Is my picture on it? Well, it says portrait of model school teacher, Miss Brooks, but here, you better look for yourself. How do you like that Stephanie Forrest? A blackboard eraser with teeth. <laughs> Your Beauty Hope and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, green girl hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Mary Jane Croft, and Jack Crucian. <laughs> Dentists know what cleans teeth best. And over 4,000 dentists say Colgate tooth powder with a two-minute routine gets teeth sparkling and super clean. So to remove dull film and get your teeth shining clean, just brush teeth two minutes morning and night with Colgate tooth powder. Brush inside, outside, and biting surfaces. Always brush away from the gums. See how this gets teeth naturally bright. It removes dull film that improper brushing misses. And Colgate tooth powder also sweetens your breath. Try it. Buy Colgate Tooth Powder today. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur Park Avenue detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evenings over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System. They can sing about it, maybe, because they haven't any friends. But I'm singing the blues about it because I've got a friend. My friend Irma. Now, don't get me wrong. I love that girl. Most people do. It's just that Mother Nature gave some girls brains, intelligence, cleverness. But with Irma, well, Mother Nature slipped her a mickey. I will never forget the first time I met her. 
Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to the first episode of My Friend Irma. This episode is dated April 11th, 1947, and I haven't shared the first episode of My Friend Irma with you, because when I started this, I was I was well past the first episode, so I thought I would bring that to you now, since I don't have an episode for November of 1948, so I thought I would bring you the first episode of My Friend Irma, and enjoy this, and just to let you know, you'll that quartet you heard at the beginning of My Friend Irma is the Sportsman Quartet. So this proves that the Sportsman Quartet moved to CBS 18 months before Jack Benny did. <laughs> so the Sportsman Quartet were on CBS before Jack Benny came over to CBS. How about that? All right, more trivia. I'll be back with Fred Allen after My Friend Irma. The Columbia Broadcasting System presents a new comedy. My Friend Irma. Starring Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane with John Brown as Al. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship when other friendships have been Sure, it's something to sing about. They can sing about it, maybe, because they haven't any friends. But I'm singing the blues about it because I've got a friend. My friend Irma. Now, don't get me wrong. I love that girl. Most people do. It's just that Mother Nature gave some girls brains, intelligence, cleverness. But with Irma, well, Mother Nature slipped her a mickey. I will never forget the first time I met her. I was walking along looking for a place to live in New York, and by a strange coincidence, I am having a very tough time. And I keep bumping into people, and I keep saying, I beg your pardon. Excuse me. Excuse me until... Oh, Oh, excuse me. I just never look where I'm going. I just keep walking with my head high. Just like the doctor told me in taking deep breaths, inhaling and exhaling like this... I keep counting to myself. One, two, three... Look, miss, will you stop counting long enough to help me up? Oh, of course. You must be uncomfortable on your knees. Oh! (laughs) Oh, no, not at all, honey. I'd love it down here if I was Al Jolson. (laughs) Did you see that picture, the Jolson story? I just loved it. I cried and cried. Fine, fine. Now, would you please help me up? Oh, certainly. Here, give me your hand. Oh, my, what a beautiful ring. You know, my my boyfriend, Al, he was going to get me one just like that. We had it all picked out, only you know what happened? It wouldn't fit your nose. (laughs) Well, it wasn't for my nose, it was for my finger. It wouldn't fit my nose. I wish it had. I could have pulled myself up. (laughs) Oh, oh, you want to get up, don't you? Yes, if you please. I can't make much time crawling. I can't either. I always walk. Well, uh, here we go. Up the daisy. Oh, careful, your dress. Oh, we ripped it, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, but you know something? They're wearing split skirts in New York this year. <laughs> yeah, I know, but not all the way up to the neck. <laughs> hey, uh, we haven't been introduced yet. My name's Irma. What's yours? Goodbye. 
Oh, what an unusual name. What's your last name? Forever. That's a pretty name, Miss. Goodbye forever. Oh, Irma. That's when I should have run, but I didn't. Apartments are too hard to find these days, and Irma, bless her heart, is really a sweet kid. So I moved in with her in that one-room furnished freight elevator she called home. Jane, the telephone's ringing. Jane, the telephone's ringing. Aren't you going to answer it? I don't know if it's for me. (laughs) Well, take a chance. Take a chance. It's not your nickel. Hello? I mean, hello? Uh, yeah, she's here. Jane, it's for me. Irma? <laughs> you know, if Marconi knew that you were going to use the telephone, he never would have invented it. <laughs> oh, Jane, I'm surprised at you. <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, not Marconi's. You see, I'm beginning to think like you. <laughs> Everybody knows that Marconi invented spaghetti. <laughs> Irma, the telephone. Oh, hello? Al? Jane, it's Al. What are you waiting for? Run down to the police station with the bail. Oh, don't be silly. He's not in jail. Hello, Al? Eh? I? Oh, you? (laughs) That's enough for the vowels, Irma. Now try the consonants. (laughs) Okay, Al. Goodbye. Jane... Al's coming over. Oh, honey. Why do you have to spoil our Sunday by having that jobless, phony, windbag of an Al over? Jane? Yes? What's your opinion of Al? (laughs) I like him. I think he's a live wire, and it's just a matter of time before they hook him up and put a chair under him. I wish you wouldn't pick on Al, because someday I hope to be Mrs. Al. Oh, sweetie. Oh, sweetie, look, I didn't mean it. Now, stop sniffling. You'll ruin your pretty face with your mascara. Come on. But I love Al. Yeah, I know you do, Irma. That's the reason I'm hard on him. I want to be sure that the guy who gets my little Irma's heart's got a big enough heart to match it. Gee, thanks, Jane. <laughs> Gee, wouldn't it be wonderful if I married Al and you could, and we could have a double wedding? A double wedding? How do you figure that? It would be if you married Richard Rhinelander III. That was my blood pressure rising. She would mention his name. You see, Richard Rhinelander III is my boss, and I'm his private secretary. I'm in love with him, but I have no chance to marry him because he's Richard Rhinelander III, and I'm Jane Stacy I. Oh, I tried everything to impress him. I even told him I lived in a very intellectual atmosphere and that my roommate is a promising young novelist. Oh, Stacy, you fool, you. If he ever finds out how you live and what a mental midget Irma really is, you must end up <laughs> right between the eight, nine, and ten ball. Gee, I'd love to marry him. Irma... Wouldn't it be wonderful if I wound up being Mrs. Richard Rhinelander the third? The third? What good is that if he has two other wives? <laughs> you know, I won't even stop to answer that one. Gee, I, I couldn't marry a wealthy man and have to go to the opera. 
I don't know a thing about Shakespeare. <laughs> Honey, with five million dollars, all you've got to know about Shakespeare is that he's dead and you're alive. <laughs> well, let's forget Mr. Rhinelander. I'll never marry him because there's a difference in family. His ancestors were Mayflower people. Gee, they made all that money out of donuts? <laughs> If you say another word to me, I'll scream. But if you do, you'll wake up Professor Kropotkin, the violinist downstairs, and he needs sleep. Irma, I'm going to take a bath. Well, Jane, don't use all the hot water. Uh, this is the day we wash your dishes. <laughs> Hello? Uh, who did you want to talk to? Jane? Who's this? Oh, Mr. Richard Rhinelander. Uh, well, Jane's busy. You want to hang on for about 20 minutes? <laughs> yes, this is Irma, her roommate. How's my book? Oh, I finished it and I'm starting another. <laughs> Hard on me. No, you know those giant comics are mostly pictures. <laughs> oh, I'd like to meet you too, Mr. Rhinelander. Say, I've got an idea. Why don't you dash over for dinner tonight? Huh? Oh, it's no bother. Oh, we'd love to have you. And, uh, by the way, if it's not inconvenient, uh, ask your mother to bake us some donuts. Oh, <laughs> uh, remember, see you at 7.30 and don't bother to dress. It's strictly au gratin. <laughs> now, who could that be? Uh, come in. Hiya, chicken. How are you? Hello, Al, honey. Gee, I'm glad you came over. I didn't think I could make it. Took time off from three deals that were just simmering, dying to burst into flame. Stuff like stucco bathtubs, scratch while you bathe. <laughs> Tremendous projects. Oh, Al, you're always talking business. Gotta be on my toes, honey, if you and I ever expect to settle down in that cozy little 30-room cottage. Oh, gee, Al, I'd just love to hear you talk like that. Come over here a minute, honey, and look in my eyes. What do you see? Murine. Now, there's another great moneymaker Wish I'd thought of that Al, I know how ambitious you are But can't you forget business and be a little more romantic? Well, I'd love to, kid But in order to give you the good things in life I gotta start thinking about this big deal I got brewing Oh, gee, Al, if your deal comes through Maybe you and I could settle down on a little ranch I can see it now, the egg and Irma Hiya, Janie, what's oh. the good word? Jane, Al's got a big deal on it. And what a deal. I just happened to line up no less than $100,000 worth of surplus army goods. Gee, Al, what kind of surplus are you going to sell? Rip cords. <laughs> Rip cords? Now, this is a big deal. I got a pajama manufacturer lined up to take the whole lot of them. <laughs> I even got an advertising gimmick with these rip cords. Listen to this. You get up in the morning and bail out of your pajamas. <laughs> you like it, Jane? I don't know how I ever lived this long without it. And, and that ain't all. This is a big promotion. You take a two-page ad in life showing a picture of a beautiful girl ready to retire. And underneath the caption... Hit the silk. <laughs> yeah. How'd you know? It figures. I think it's wonderful. Uh, what do you think, Jane? You know the whole thing has tired me out? I'm going back and take another shower. You see, chicken, I'm a beaten man. Jane doesn't believe in me. Well, that's not true. Jane likes you, Al. She always takes two showers on Sunday. I see. 
One for herself and one for those dirty looks she gives me. And besides, Al, once you get to know Jane, you'll realize that her bark is worse than her tree. You know, honey, I wouldn't say this to anybody else, but things are going so badly for me lately that I may be forced to do something desperate. Al, you're going to get a job? Irma, watch your language. I'm sorry, Al, I only... A job? Irma, supposing a man like me would consent to go to work, say, for a bank, at a small starting salary of $500 a week. Naturally, somebody like me moves fast. At the end of a year, I'm making 1000 a week as a second vice president. In two years, I'm making 2000 a week as a first vice president. In ten years' time, I'm president of the bank and I got $100,000. Where do I go from there? I'm in a rut. But, Al... Irma, I'm in a rut now, and it didn't take me ten years to get there. So you see how foolish it'd be for me to get a job. You understand, kid? It's clear to me, Al. It is? <laughs> well, I'm glad. You're a great girl and you deserve the best. But I don't want the best. I want you, Al. <laughs> you know, the brakes have always been against me. It'd be different if I wasn't a practical man, but my deals are so sound. It's all a question of the brakes. Gee, Al, I wish there was something I could do to help you. Thanks, chicken. But a guy like me with my ideas has got to mix with the right people. If I could only meet a man who's a millionaire. Well, Al, suppose you met a millionaire who's got money besides. Irma, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, Al, I'm throwing a dinner party tonight. Dinner party? Uh-huh. Yes, I've invited James Boss over. You know, the millionaire Richard Rhinelander III. Richard Rhinelander III? Yeah, she's crazy about him, and I thought an intimate gathering would bring them together socially, and financially it would bring the two of you together. So why don't you just surprise us and drop over casually after dinner and bring your ideas? The millionaire Richard Rhinelander III. You know, Irma, if a guy like me, with my ideas, could meet a millionaire like James Boss, it'd be a natural combination. Oh, wonderful, Al. It'll be perfect. I can kill you and Jane with one stone. <laughs> but uh, won't Jane mind my coming? No, it's a surprise party. She doesn't even know Richard Rylander's coming. <laughs> Thanks, baby. You're a genius. I'll be there. Oh, before you go, Al, uh, haven't you forgotten something? Huh? Oh, yeah. What time does Rhinelander get here? Hermes, <laughs> Al left you. Oh. Just leave her now. So long, ladies. See you later. Uh, honey, be careful going home. There's a crime wave on. Yeah, Al, keep your hat turned down. You don't want to get picked up. <laughs> you fracture me. So long, chicken. See you later. We're having a dinner party? Yes, I've invited your boss, Richard Rhinelander, to dinner tonight. You invited my boss to dinner tonight? Here? Irma, how could you? Oh, it was simple. He called up and asked to talk to you, and you were busy, so I invited him. Oh, no. This is all a dream. And after dinner, Al's going to drop over, and if Professor Kropotkin comes up, it'll be a wonderful party. Oh, no, this is a nightmare. Give me that phone. Maybe it's not too late to stop him. Oh, dear. Hello? Hello, is Mr. Rhinelander there? He's not? Well, could you please tell me where he went? He left to go to a dinner party at a Miss Jane Stacy's. Thank you. Jane, Jane, what are you doing? Nothing. Just writing a suicide note. (laughs) 
And now the sportsman with the Lad Gluskin and his orchestra and their own special arrangement of... Good night, ladies. Good night, ladies. Good night, ladies. We're gonna leave you now. Merrily we roll along, roll along, roll along. Merrily we roll along o'er the deep blue sea. O'er the deep blue because I told him that I lived in an artistic neighborhood and that my roommate was a budding novelist. How could I justify having him sit around with that, that scintillating duo of conversationalists Irma and Al? Mr. Rhinelander is expecting an evening based on table talk a la information, please. What he's going to get is people are funny or it pays to be ignorant. <laughs> well, finally, 7.30 rolled around. The bottle of martinis was catching a chill in the icebox and I was running a fever in the living room. Richard would be arriving at any minute, and Irma wasn't ready. Irma, sweetie, it's 7.30. Uh, I know, Jane. I'm just getting into my dress. How do you like it? Don't you think you ought to get a little further into it? (laughs) Al likes this dress. Al would, but Mr. Rhinelander wouldn't. Now, come on, huh? You've got just time to waltz this broom around a few times. Okay. Irma, huh? No, no, don't sweep the dirt under the rug. Man downstairs has been complaining. Complaining? Yeah, you know, that hole in the floor. Jane, I have a wonderful idea. Why don't we take the rug off, and then with a hole in the ceiling, we'll have cross ventilation. Oh. (laughs) Irma, I'm so nervous. Well, don't worry. I'll handle everything. Uh, Haven't you confidence in me? Well, certainly I have. Well, then why are you shaking? I always shake like this before I have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> now, now, Irma, let, let's not be nervous, huh? Let's, let's just take it easy. Uh, now, let's see. First, we, uh, we serve the martinis, and then... Uh... I, don't, I don't have to drink a martini, do I, Jane? What's that got to do with it? I'd rather have milk. <laughs> but how can you drink milk when we're drinking martinis? Oh, I know. I'll drink milk, but I'll put an olive in it. <laughs> oh, Irma. He's here. Oh, he's here. Now, now listen to me, Irma. I, I'm not worried. I, I'm not worried. I've, I've got confidence in you, and I know you'll do everything right, because if you don't, I think I'll kill myself and then you. Now, you ready? Okay. Irma, put the broom away. Come in. I beg your pardon, but does Jane Stacy let... Oh, of course. Good evening, Jane. I didn't recognize you for a moment. That's because she didn't take the curlers out of her hair. <laughs> How silly 
let me uh, come in. Come in, Mr. Rhinelander. May I present my roommate, Irma? How do you do? Hello. Irma, would you mind taking Mr. Rhinelander's hat? I can't. Why not? His head is still in it. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Here it is. Irma, now that you have Mr. Rhinelander's hat, would you mind taking the broom away from him? Oh. <laughs> Irma, <laughs> now that you have the broom, would you mind taking Mr. Rhinelander's hat away from him? Oh. Won't you sit down, Mr. Rhinelander? Oh, thank you, Jane, but you don't have to be so formal. My friends always call me Richard. Thank you. Cigarette, Richard? Thank you. Match, Richard? Thank you. Ashtray, Richard? Thank you. Cigarette, Irma? Thank you. Match, Irma? Thank you. Ashtray, Irma? No, thank you. I don't smoke. Ah, <laughs> uh, you writers, you're all alike. Witty and eccentric. Yes, I knew you'd like Irma's wit. It's so, uh... So natural. Yes, so I noticed. My, what a charming apartment you have here. When will the remodeling be finished? Remodeling? <laughs> remodeling, this is it. Yes, yes, it's small. It's small, but our neighbors are so interesting. Uh, artists, writers, uh, musicians, you know. For instance, there's a very famous violinist who lives downstairs. He's uh, Professor Kropotkin. Kropotkin? Kropotkin? Yeah, he plays in the Paradise Burlesque. <laughs> uh, have you ever been there? Well, I don't think so. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, you wouldn't have seen him anyway because he plays a violin under the runway. <laughs> yes, uh, a lot of our neighbors are eccentric, but they're all artistic. Oh, I know what you mean. A charming environment. Yes. You know, it's hot in here. I think I'll open the window. Hey, Mrs. Flanagan! Did you hear the news about Johnny O'Toole downstairs? Last night he came home, roaring drunk, and straggled up the stairs. Shall we go in to dinner? If I live to be the oldest woman in the United States and Canada, I'll never forget that dinner. It started off with Irma taking from the right and serving from the left. She also did a little dropping in the middle. <laughs> and Mr. Rhinelander looked very fetching wearing a hamburger over his right eye. <laughs> then we got to the dessert. And it seems that Irma had put the dessert in the wrong tray in the icebox. It was the first time I'd ever tasted cauliflower sherbet. <laughs> so much for the food. The conversation was a monster in its own right. Richard said, uh, Fortunately, I've been able to travel considerably. Irma, do you like to travel? And Irma said, Oh, yes, it's really the only way to get any place. <laughs> well, finally it was over, and we decided to have our coffee in the living room. Well, Jane, that was an excellent dinner. Thank you. Wonderful food. That's nothing unusual. We always have food for dinner. <laughs> Oh, Irma, you have a priceless wit. Hasn't she, Jane? She has? Oh, yes, she has. <laughs> you know, Mr. Rylander, I envy Jane working for you. Yes, the investment business can be exciting, but you know, 
I wish I had more time for sports. Oh, you do love sports, don't you, Richard? Yes, I don't like to brag or appear stuffy, but at college I won my letter in six different sports. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And weren't you voted the, the best-looking man on the campus? Oh, well, Jane, that was only kid stuff. <laughs> but getting back to sports, since going into business with Dad, he sort of kept me hopping. You know how the office is, but, Jane, with you being the capable secretary you are... I... I've been able to find some time for squash and badminton at the athletic club. Oh, well, personally, I love golf. It's such an exciting game, and yet it's so simple. Yes, but you know, tennis has a dash of that same excitement. I swim, ride horseback, play tennis, bowl, and shoot pool. Irma, do you really do all those things? No, but I have to keep up my end of the conversation. More coffee, Richard. No, thank you. I think you're wise. Coffee does keep one awake. Yes, coffee does have that effect on me. How about you, Irma? They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. (laughs) Irma, we know you're in the conversation, dear. Just take it easy. Well, okay, I think I'll open the window. No, don't. No, Irma, the window. No. And the next night, Johnny O'Toole comes home again, powder and drunk, staggering up the stairs, patting the knife like... Chilly out tonight, isn't it, Richard? Well... I really don't know what to say. Well, I... Irma, really, I, I'm, I'm very fond of Jane, but of course you know there's my father. Your father? Let him get his own girl. <laughs> oh, Irma. Oh, come in. Hi, folks. What a surprise. Look, Jane, it's Al. The next sound you hear is Jane Stacy blowing her brains out. <laughs> Al, I'd like you to meet Richard Rhinelander III. Richard, this is my boyfriend, Al. How do you do? Well, hiya, Richard. Heard a lot about you. Richard, wouldn't you care to go to a movie or something? Oh, no sense in breaking up the party. Let's sit around and chew the fat. Richard's not hungry, Al. We just finished dinner. (laughs) Well, Rich, what's new on the street? The street? Yeah, you know, the exchange. Oh, well, cotton was a little slow this past week. Uh Uh-huh. Knew it. What about steel? A little off. I knew it. Richard, you can see for yourself the handwriting's on the wall. Really? You gotta get out of Wall Street. I do? Oh, absolutely. Sure, you could plug along, making a million here and a million there, but have you got security? <laughs> well, Al, I'm pretty satisfied with the investment business, and I think there's a great future in it for me. Granddad was president, and then father became president, and soon I'll be president. You see what I mean, Armand? Yeah, the whole family's in a rut. <laughs> But it's not too late, Rich. There's a place for you in my organization. Richard, let's go to a movie. No, Jane, let him talk. This whole thing may develop into a merger. Merger? You're right, Irma. Richard, I'm going to make a big man out of you. How would you like to team up with me? Well, I... Now listen to me, Richard. Here's the plan. We've a chance to corner the market on surplus ripcords. We'll go out into the open market. Buy short. Sell long. Just like I planned, the boys are in there getting along beautifully. Beautifully. If Richard reaches for his wallet, he'll shake hands with Al. Now, Jane... Now, listen to me, Irma. You've ruined me. I should never have moved in with you. But, Jane... Don't but Jane me. But I thought... I don't care what you thought. You've ruined everything. Imagine his coming from his mansion on Park Avenue to this dump. Now, to top it off, your your boyfriend, Al, is trying to sell him ripcord. But, Jane, Al's only trying to fix it so he has security. Irma, I've got news for you. Richard Rhinelander III has $5 million he hasn't even counted yet. But after he counts it, what then? He'll be in a rut. (laughs) By inviting him to dinner tonight, you've just ruined me. 
Now, I'm going back in there, apologize, quit my job, and spend the night at the YWCA. But, Jean, are you a member? No, but I'll join. <laughs> Another thing. The next time we meet on the street, I only want you to say one thing. Goodbye. Will General Motors go for it? Richard, their tongues are hanging out for Ripco. Well, Al, Richard, I really I mean, don't... I mean, Mr. Rhinelander, I... I can't tell you how sorry I am. I, sorry? About what? Oh, you know, bringing you down here and having you meet people like Al and Irma. Why, and... Jane, you've I... nothing to be sorry about. I'm delighted to have met two such real people as Al and Irma. And we're delighted to have met a millionaire with money. <laughs> oh, Irma, how could you? Now, now, leave her alone, Jane. That's what I like about Irma and Al. They're so natural and honest. Oh, Dickie, thank you for that vote of confidence. <laughs> I'm so happy for you, Mr. Rhinelander. Now you can have security. You see, Jane... You see, Richard, it... you see, you were so wealthy and you live on Park Avenue and everything, and I thought you were coming here. Well, well, I tried to impress you, and I guess I've just been a fool. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, I'd like to say thank you, Jane, for a splendid evening. I like your apartment, and I think Al and Irma are swell. And, Al, if you've got time, I want you to drop into the office, and maybe we can go into your ripcord proposition at length. Well, I've got to run along now. Goodbye, Jane, and... Please invite me again real soon. Goodbye, Richard. Well, gotta run now. Where are you going, honey? Where am I going? Now I gotta see where I can get hold of some ripcord. That's my friend Al. And that's my friend Irma. Irma was written and directed by Cy Howard. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. One is OTR Rob welcoming you to the Fred Allen Show. This Fred Allen Show goes all the way back to May 19, 1946, and on the show is Bill Harris. I thought I would play this for you. I may have played it last year, I'm not sure. But I was thinking that since Bill Harris is on the Fred Allen Show, that Bear is repeating, so I'm repeating it. <laughs> so enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. Bill Harris, and I'll be back next week. Mr. Allen! Mr. Allen! When you call Chloe, she doesn't answer either, kitty. (laughs) Fred Allen Show. With Brett Guest, the effervescent Phil Harris, Portland Hopper, Minerva Pius as Mrs. Nussbaum, Alan Reed as Falstaff Openshaw, Parker Fenley as Titus Moody, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And until I start blowing the clang on, my name is Kenny Delmar.
Association of Chiropodists sponsors Foot Health Week. Tonight, instead of a chiropodist, we bring you a comedian who owes his access to his corn. He's Fred Allen. Ladies and gentlemen, and Kenny, I'm happy that you mentioned Foot Health Week. This week, the foot is king. Are you observing the event, Fred? Oh, yes, Kenny. Tonight, in honor of Foot Health Week, I went on the Jack Benny program. I spent 30 minutes with a heel. People should, people should pay more attention to their feet, Kenny. You know, happy feet make happy folks. Yeah, I think a man's work has a lot to do with the condition of his feet. Yes, Kenny, I know a man who works 10 hours a day and his feet are in perfect condition. Oh, what does he do? He's a mounted policeman. Well, and he has no trouble at all? No foot trouble. He does have a few occupational calluses. <laughs> where? <laughs> uh, where? Kenny. <laughs> I said chiropodist, yeah, too. I know. I, where, two wares are all right, because he has two ca- calluses. <laughs> Kenny, I refuse to tell you I am no stool pigeon. If you think that I am going... Well, for... Well, Portland, pull up an old participle, stop it from dangling, and sit down. This, uh, it so happens, is National Foot Week. Oh, Mama says chiropodists are paradoxical. How? Mama says chiropodists are the only men who make a living going to the dogs. Your mother should be here to hear how that's going, that's all right. <laughs> Paradox- <laughs> Paradoxical, uh, that's some word you use there. Dr. IQ used it on his program last week. Oh, it's a used word, is it? I thought... <laughs> Dr. Well, Dr. IQ has to use long words to reach that lady who's incessantly in the balcony. <laughs> Uh, what about, what about foot weed? Oh, the foot is lucky. Really? The nose gets the dirty end of it. Huh. <laughs> how do you, uh, how do you mean? Well, the eyes have movies to see. Yeah. The ears have music to hear. Uh-huh. The mouth has candy to eat. And the nose? The nose has to smell everything. Right. And if the mouth says something fresh, uh-huh. the nose gets punched. Yes, that's true, through no fault of its own. But we ought to have, we ought to have National Nose Week, Portland. The streets sprayed with perfume, a rose for every nose except Billy. Show the nose, show the nose a good time. Tell me, what else is new, Portland? A doctor in Boston says women live longer than men. Oh, did he say why? No, but Mama says a woman has to live longer than a man to have the last word. Oh, how true, how true. Your must have, uh, mother must have been re- remotely... <laughs> I borrowed these teeth tonight. I don't know. <laughs> and speaking of painting, let's put two coats on and start for Allen's Alley, Portland. What is your question tonight? Well, this week, the Automotive Safety Foundation threw up a plan to reduce the number of highway accidents. And so our question this evening is, are you going to do your part to make this safer driving campaign a success? Shall we leave? As the old cuckoo said... When the pawn broke around the clock, I may as well start going. Gosh, Portland, Allen's Alley is as quiet as a mink molding on a pile of peach fuzz. I wonder if the senator is back from Dallas yet. Let's knock. 
I'll see. Somebody knock. Well, Senator Claghorn. Yeah, I just got back. <laughs> I just got back from Texas, son. Why, you're you're all dusty. Yeah, no, I ain't brushing my clothes. That's southern dust. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather eat the soil of the South than Yankee pastry. Well, tell me, uh, how was your reception? Claghorn Day was the biggest thing Dallas has seen since the last major bowl unit was stranded there. Bigger than that, what happened? Well, they gave me a big watermelon barbecue. What a sight. Really? 2,000 Texans with their faces buried in watermelon. Gosh. You could hear the sucking from Dallas clean to Little Rock. (laughs) (laughs) What happened after the dinner? There was an all-star radio program over the entire Rebel Network. Really? Who was on the radio show? Big Southern Band, Swing and Sway with Henry Clay. <laughs> yes? Then that Southern opera singer, Lily Pone. <laughs> Lily Pone? Yeah, Lily sang Carry Me Back to Old Louisiana. Now, wait a minute. Isn't that Carry Me Back to Old Virginia? Lily got two on call, she had to keep on carrying. <laughs> Tell me, what uh, what else happened? When I closed the program with a short eight-hour talk, filibuster, that is. Well, this is all mighty interesting in a sordid way, Senator. But what about this campaign to cut down automobile accidents? The South is, I say, the South is prepared, son. We're eliminating the automobile entirely. Eliminating the automobile in the South? How? Well, if a man has a 40-horsepower car, he turns in his car. Yes. The state gives him 40 mules. 40 mules. 60 horsepower, 60 mules. Yes. 80. But the uh, the whole South will be flooded with mules. How can you control the traffic? We'll import a northerner for a traffic cop. You mean a northerner can handle mules? It takes one jackass to tell another jackass where to go. No. <laughs> That's a hybrid horse on me, I guess. Let's try Mr. Moody's door. Howdy, bub. (laughs) Warm weather is here, Mr. Moody. Isn't it time to get out your fly swatter? Oh, I don't need no fly swatter. Well, how do you keep the flies off you? I got a spider hiding under my lapel. Oh. Yes, sir. Let a fly land on me. That spider's got him quicker than a baby snake can coil. Oh, I see. In fly time, that spider's running over me like syrup over a hot waffle. (laughs) Tell me, Mr. Moody, what about this new drive to reduce automobile accidents? Uh, Most drivers try to make every road to Death Valley. Well, do you have any trouble? Yes, one big car hit my billy goat. And after the accident? That car was the only Lincoln I ever saw with a beard on it. (laughs) I see. And then a truck. Truck hit my prize pig and rendered him. Rendered him? For two miles. The road want nothing but lard. <laughs> the pig disappeared completely? Well, I give a hog call to make sure. And after you gave the hog call? Four pig's feet come walking in the yard. Just four pig's feet? They was limping. Well, you... <laughs> you certainly had your troubles with speeding motorists. Yeah, last Sunday was the worst. What happened? Well, I had 300 hens and one rooster. And? Rooster got out on the road. Zip! Feathers and giblets. Well, the only rooster was gone. Yep. Today I got 300 hens in mourning. Now, what makes you think your hens are in mourning? They're laying eggs with black yolks. So long, boys. <laughs> well, I guess that 
Well, this rooster, Mr. Moody, has nothing to crow about. Well, let's see what happens next door here. No. Mrs. Nussbaum. You're expecting maybe Lana Navy? <laughs> Tell me, Mrs. Ann, have you heard about this campaign to cut down automobile accidents? In the campaign, I'm participating. Participating how? I'm writing slogans. Safety slogans? What are they? Driving slowly in your sliver, you will be a longer liver. <laughs> Whether your name is Pinkus or Myers, check the brakes, likewise the tires. Very good, very good. Driving fast when it is hazy, you'll be pushing up a daisy. <laughs> Say, how do you know so much about cars? Well, when I am a young girl, sweet 16 and never. Uh huh. <laughs> Pierre and a stuck bear cat is driving by. Yeah. Now, through the goggles, he is winking. Through the goggles, sir. And that started your romance? In a used Essex, the rumble seat, Pierre is courting me. Yeah. In a second hand Chevy, kneeling down, he is proposing. Good. In an old hotmobile with the top up, we are getting married. And since you've been married? Every week in all kinds cars, Buicks, Hudsons, and Cadillacs as we are riding. Now, wait a minute. Who owns all of these cars? My husband, Pierre. Cars he is owning by the hundreds. Pierre owns hundreds of cars. Who do you think is the smiling Irishman? <laughs> There's just one more shanty to investigate. A single knock upon my door, and Paul Stav's here to do his chores. Uh, you have new forms this evening, of course. As well you know, sire. Yeah. As heard, they pinched the hot dog vendor. Someone called a cop. He had the mustard in the middle and the pickle on top. Uh, no. Or uh, what are you hiding, said the kangaroo. The squirrel answered, Naps to you? No. How about this? Mother is singing. She's happy and gay. For the warden made her a trustee today. Now, in the game of life, you are a foul ball. Tonight, we are discussing the campaign to reduce automobile accidents. My poem is ready. And what is your epic of prevention called? My motoring problems are over. How does it go? My motoring problems are over, but I warn all folks who drive, Certain precautions must be taken if a car owner hopes to survive. Take it easy on the highway. At the wheel, use common sense. Have your car checked on occasion. You'll avoid all accidents. Never speed. Don't be a road hog. Don't drive with one arm round your girlie. Better late to where you're going than to meet St. Peter ten years early. Advice to others I give freely. Lucky me, I bask in clover. The finance company called this morning... So my motoring problems now are over. And as far as Sam throws his roadmap to an admirer, we turn to greet the five DeMarco sisters, accompanied by Maestro Al Goodman and the men Toscanini left behind when he returned to Italy. The DeMarco scene coaxed me a little bit. Here's what you've got to say. Pretty, 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 p
Now, who invented the first yo-yo? Who? The same guy that found the lost cord. <laughs> Bill, take a friend's advice. You are not ready for information, please. Who oh, wait? I can raise my hand, can I? But you've been working with Jack Benny. Ignorance is catching. He's a carrier. Wait a minute, Fred. Wait a minute now. I don't want to hear no slurs on my employer. Now, Jackson's got a heart as big as his head. Yes, and he has more hair on his heart than he has on his head. <laughs> Tell me, Bill, how was your trip from Hollywood? How was the train? What train? Uh, you mean Benny made you travel by bus? Not careful old Benny, no, sir. He told me that this time of year, buses was dangerous. <laughs> well, how did you get to New York? Well, look, out in California, Jackson took me down to the Lincoln Highway. Yes. He handed me an orange and said, start walking. Start walking with the orange? That's right. He said, when people start coming up to you and saying, where did you get that yellow tennis ball? You're out of California. Keep going east. <laughs> well, now that you're here, I hope Denny found you a nice hotel room. Well, it ain't bad, but the chambermaid sweeps all the dirt under the carpet. It's bad, eh? Murder. To get to the bed, I gotta walk uphill. <laughs> Does your room have a nice view? Ain't no view. No view? No, the window's a mirror. When you look out the window, you're looking right back into the room again. There's no air in the room? Well, we got a little air. The house detective comes up every hour and breathes through the keyhole. <laughs> look, Phil, what do you want living around in these flop houses, walking from Hollywood with an orange in your hand? Why don't you quit that guy, Benny? Me quit Jackson? What can I do? Well, you can come with me. You'll be happy on this program. Wait, I'll introduce you to the cast. Wait a minute. Uh, say, Fred. Yeah? Who are those guys sitting there with those uh, rented tuxedos? Phil, that's our orchestra. Orchestra? Them guys that got shoes on. <laughs> now, look, Phil. Look, if that's an orchestra, where are the jugs? Jugs? Certainly. Where are the automobile horns? Where's the wash tub bass? Oh, Phil, this isn't like that band you have on the Benny program. These men are musicians. Well, then what is that guy down in front there? What's he doing? Weaving a rug? <laughs> Phil, that is the hop. That is the hop the man has there. <laughs> well, what are them other guys holding? Them wooden frying pans. Phil, those... Those are violins. Bill, I'll show you how our violin section sounds. Mr. Goodman, a few bars on the strings, please. Well, Phil? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But, Phil... Somewhere under one of them guys is a jukebox. <laughs> You come with my program, Phil, and this orchestra will be yours. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, who are those guys sitting there chewing those black nightsticks? Oh, black nightsticks? Phil, those are clarinets. Doesn't your band have wind instruments? Sure, six kazoos and a hot sweet potato. Well, I'll show you how our woodwind section sounds. Woodwinds, Mr. Goodman. Bill, how... Bill Harris, you're crying. That was the most beautiful thing I ever heard in my life. You, uh, you liked it, eh? Well, I'm crying, ain't I? And I'm cold sober. 
Well, wait till you hear the brass. Well, wait a minute. Brass, brass. Who cares about brass? That's one thing I got in my orchestra, too. Brass? Right next to every one of my boys is a cuspidor. <laughs> but our brass section is dry, Phil. All right, Mr. Goodman. Isn't it, Phil? Fred, I'm as limp as a buggy whipping the rain. Listen, wait till I tell Spike Jones about this. Phil, how would you uh, how would you like to conduct our orchestra? Well, okay. Which guy do I kick to start him playing? Kick. <laughs> Certainly, in my band is Frankie, the guitar player. Phil, you don't you don't kick anyone here. Take this. Well, what am I going to do with this stick? Now, you just wave this little stick up and down and see what happens. Okay. Oh, Fred, did you hear that? That was me. That was me. I did it. Alice, baby Alice, Phyllis. That was me. Oh, 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 oh everybody. That was me, Fred. Now that was me. Well, well, it was me. That's just, I know, I know. That was just a sample of what you have on this program. Now, what do you say? Well, I, it's, it's good, Fred, but... Uh, Benny gives me jokes to tell. Well, you come with me. The whole program will be yours. You'll play music, tell jokes. You'll be the star. Little old Philzy, a star? And what a star. Now, here's how your program will sound, Phil. The music starts... Silly so-and-so from the solid south, Phil Shut My Mouth Harris. Thank you, thank you. Hiya, folks, it's Phil Z again. <laughs> Tonight I'm as hot as the floor of a Turkish bath. Oh, what? Why are you so happy, Phil? Well, I just heard, heard from Uncle Fred. He's a policeman in Atlanta. A policeman in Atlanta? Yes, he's a Dixie cop. <laughs> oh, Harris, if anything happens to Abbott, Costello has nothing to worry about. Well, Phil, I think it's about time to leave for Allen's Alley. Allen's Alley, nothing. This is my program, and on my program, it's called Tobacco Road. All right. Let's go. Ah, yes, it's so quiet and peaceful here on Tobacco Road, Fred. Well, it should be. Everybody's out in that play again this year. Yes, sir. But I see the senator's at home. The cottonmouth snake just come out of his front door running for its life. I'll now... Harris is the name, Flaghorn. Bill Harris, that is. Yeah, I'm from the South, the Deep South. Where I come from, we refer to you as that silent senator from up north. I don't know what the you're... only band I'll listen to is the Dixieland band. Now look, my Senator. My favorite singer is Kenny Sims, Cotton Jenny. Speak up, Senator. The floor is yours. I'll whip. Well, I got a... Start slabbing. Don't be another cruelty. Now look here, Fred. Quit, you old bloody daddy. Why are you scared of... Oh, don't peel a possum. Go you I'm from the solid. Bill, Hold your southern temper. You can't talk to the senator like this. You keep your big northern nose out of this, you Yankee pigeon fucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Son, I want to shake your hand. You got a mouth after my own heart. Well, it's a pleasure. Well, Phil, what about the rest of the program? Forget the program, Fred. Forget the program. When two southerners get together, there's got to be a song. I come from a humming family, son. Let her rip. Okay, Senator.
hot cornbread, black-eyed peas, the smell of them magnolia trees, just laying around in your DVDs, that's what I like about the crowd. Those lazy naps in the afternoon, old Jeff Davis and Effie Boone, the greasy smell of big raccoons, that's what I like about the South. Hit it, Senator. The way Southern folks all say you all, the way the cotton comes up in fall, the way the bull weevils eat it all, that's what I like about South. Where Coca-Cola's home and fears, where man can live on land that's his. With plenty of money, Confederate that is, that's what I like about South. Now, wait a minute, boys, it's my turn now. Give me the Bowery where folks go slumming, New York girls so becoming. Where every house has indoor plumbing, that's what I like about the North. Old Broadway, those burlesque queens, Central Park with its grassy greens, where Mammy's little baby likes Boston baked beans, that's what I like about the North. All right, boys, let's do it all together, huh? Where everybody, north or south, to get right up, shoot off his mouth. We're kidding one another, is all fair play, that's what we like about the U.